The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It's, uh, it's time to go. Employment Law Show. Our good pal and lawyer John Pincus from the firm is handling things. Uh, on the docket, we will get to the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. Some emails as well. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca, by the way. And there's also the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. All of your employment law questions and needs are there as well, completely free and anonymous. But there is contact at the top right of the website. If you want to uh, carry on and talk to John or a member of his team, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But we'll get it going. A couple of things you want to discuss off the top, pal, about the uh, the week that was. What's up with you? Sure do, John. And I uh, hope all our listeners are well, healthy, and uh, staying positive in uh, what's still a difficult time. Uh, the first situation I want to talk about, John, actually, is just one example of many employees uh, we're speaking with recently. And this, this, I think, actually was a really important example because this is someone who had been working for a company for 20 years uh, as a supervisor. Uh, this employee, they were working for a medium-sized manufacturer, and uh, that company had been operating throughout the pandemic, still at a somewhat reduced capacity be- because of what's going on, of course, but they have been sort of chugging along. Last week, the company decides it's going to engage in some cost reductions for some you know, future planning and contingencies. And the supervisor that I that I was speaking to happened to be one of those uh, one of the higher paid employees. So of course, mm-hmm. these were one of the people who were targeted. Yep. And he's told, "We're going to lay you off, but we're not going to terminate your employment. Instead, we're going to place you on infectious disease emergency leave. So we'll see you back in July, maybe, uh, unless the government of Ontario extends the emergency order. In which case, maybe much later, maybe August, September, October, November, December. Who knows? By the way, no severance, zero. Now, he says, well, hang on, wait wait a minute, I never agreed to this. And he's told, well, we don't need you to agree to this. It's COVID-19, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. Now, let me be clear about this, and I know uh, a lot of employers do not like to hear this, but uh, I say the same thing to employees and employers. Everyone needs to know this because this is the law. The law is that employee rights do not disappear because there's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, and this bears repeating, so let me repeat it. Employee rights do not disappear because there's a pandemic. Uh, The reality here is that although the Employment Standards Act has changed, as listeners of our show will know, the Employment Standards Act, the Ministry of Labor, these things are not the end of the story. Because this person had not consented to the infectious disease emergency leave, by having this imposed on them, that was a termination. And for as long as this person is off work and losing money and doesn't have an opportunity to work, they are entitled to severance. The law is very clear about this. A severance package for this person was potentially worth over a hundred thousand dollars, and that's what we're going to be. Yeah, right, right. So that's what we're going to be pursuing for them. So if you are listening, and you or someone you know has been placed on a layoff, and that employer is saying COVID nineteen this and infectious disease emergency leave that, please call us. Don't suffer alone. You're going to need financial compensation to help you get back on your feet to find a new job. That's not going to be easy. We're here to help you through that. That, by the way, is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to get a hold of John or a member of the team when the show's uh, show's not going on. But what else you got going on, pal? The second situation involved someone who was let go from a managerial position after working for, uh, for about four years. Mm-hmm. So she was told this was going to be a termination without cause, and that it was just not a good fit. And they said to her in her termination letter, "Well, pursuant to the employment contract that you had that you had signed on." 
such and such date, 2017, uh, you are entitled to four weeks pay and four weeks benefits. Oh, by the way, if you sign this release, we will pay you another two weeks pay. Now, this termination was around mid-March. And as it so happens, this person also receives a bonus that's payable April 30th of each year. So talk about a double whammy. So she's not going to get the bonus, and she's and her contract says she only gets four weeks severance. So I spoke with her, and the first piece of good news that I had for her was that this termination clause the company was relying on, like many, if not most, termination clauses, was completely unenforceable for a variety of reasons. So the severance entitlement here was six months' pay, significantly more than what she had been offered. But not only was this person entitled to her base salary, she was also entitled to the bonus that she would have received on April 30th. And in the vast majority of cases, if you are let go right before a bonus is due or commissions are due, you will still be entitled to that bonus or or those commissions. So as we often say on this show, do not assume because there is a termination clause that you're not entitled to your full severance. Do not assume because your employer says you don't get the bonus that you don't get the bonus. Talk to us. Let's figure that out. The website is uh, employmentlawyer.ca. If you go there, you'll catch links to our long-running television show there uh, as well. The Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. We'll get to a few of these before we break. And that would be uh, number one, thou shalt think about termination when accepting a new job, which is kind of weird because you just started a job, so now you're already thinking about getting canned. Right. Well, think about that example that I uh, just gave uh, the second week that was for today. Now, this mm. person was very fortunate. And, and actually, to be perfectly honest with you, John, most people who come to us with termination clauses, um, with with it's, it's more the exception to the rule that I have mm. to tell people that their termination clause is actually enforceable. Most of the time, those termination clauses are not drafted legally and are not uh, enforceable employers just routinely get this wrong. So if you sign a termination clause, then certainly, uh, and and you're being offered a severance package that is not adequate, or you'd like to explore whether it's adequate, come talk to us. But ideally, you start a job without signing a termination clause at all. So if you are in the position where you are leaving a job, where that company is recruiting you aggressively, and you know that they need you there, and you're getting an employment contract. Come talk to us. Let's review it. Let's see what's in there. And if you and if you're able to review it on your own and you're comfortable doing that without a lawyer, and you notice that there's a termination clause in there, and you don't need this job, and you have some leverage to be able to negotiate it, then tell them, "I'm not agreeing to this. I need more security than this." Maybe you can negotiate a better termination clause. Maybe you can negotiate the termination clause out completely. Uh, this is an important thing to do because if you don't negotiate that clause, if you don't get that clause out of there, uh, then what's going to happen is you're going to be let go at some point in the future, perhaps, right? Hopefully not, but perhaps. Uh, And if that happens and that clause happens to be enforceable, then I may tell you there's nothing I can do, right? And you've now just given away uh, potentially tens of thousands of dollars in severance. And that may not seem like something you need to worry about now. It's going to make a big difference later. The other thing you need to think about is what are your post-employment obligations going to be? Are there any going to be any restrictions on your non-competition uh, obligations, non-solicitation obligations? And, you know, in terms of bringing this up, remember that they're the ones that raise this issue. Don't. So if you need to, uh, don't be shy about bringing it up with them. You know, we've often said as well, you know, you start a new job without a contract, you start it on a handshake or, uh, or, or less, that, that's the best thing you could possibly hope for, right? Right. That that really is sort of the gold standard, you know, an email, a phone call, a handshake, a right. verbal contract 
is just as enforceable as a written contract if the parties show that they are operating as if the verbal contract is operating. So if you start working for a company, they start paying you, you've got a contract. That's it. That's all you need. To help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. And anytime you can also use pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That website is absolutely free. Tons of knowledge on there for you to uh, absorb and contact if you want to move forward at that point as well. We'll continue Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Right back at it, Employment Law Show. Good to have you along. John Pincus is our guy from the firm today, handling all the uh, the phone calls, the heavy lifting, the emails. You want to send some along, help at employmentlawyer.ca and the website employmentlawyer.ca for links to our television show as well. And when the show's not on, get a hold of John or his crew, one 821 5900 Want to keep talking about the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. We've got nine more to go. But I wanted to bounce over for uh, for a second to this, John, and some, some recent news having to do with the firm with H, uh, HBC was uh, was coming down this week. What's that all about? Yeah, so we released a press release on this because this is a really um, interesting situation. I say interesting because there have been so many people who have been affected uh, by things like this. And this is actually uh, this is strike two for HBC because uh, you might remember uh, that not too long ago they had uh, laid off a whole bunch of people uh, and had reduced uh, after they reduced their salaries by 25% and decided we're going to pay your severance based on 75% of your pay and after a huge backlash uh, they backed off of that and hopefully they're going to learn their lesson again but they're at it again uh, this time what they've done uh, is they've taken someone um, who's been employed there for quite some time uh, and they've reduced their hours where this person initially had a 30 uh, hour 30 hour per week guaranteed that's now been changed to anywhere from zero to 27 hours per week so in any given week they can just say well you got no hours this week whereas for years and years and years um, they were working on a a guaranteed 30 hours per week so this is clearly a fundamental change clearly a breach of the most significant terms of employment we give you work we give you pay for that work right so this is uh, certainly a constructive dismissal there's issues of bad faith as well really taking advantage of the employee at a difficult time for everyone um, and uh, we're helping uh, this individual to pursue uh, her rights and uh, uh, again unfortunately a lot of these big corporations they uh, don't seem to learn that again as I was mentioning at the beginning of the hour employment rights do not disappear in a pandemic they just don't. They're still there. You still have to honor the contractual arrangements you have with employees. If you have a deal that they work a certain amount of hours per week and that is consistent every week, you can't all of a sudden pull the rug from out under them because there's a pandemic. It just doesn't work that way. All right. Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. Thou shall give up your future termination rights after you start working. Well, thou shalt not, uh, I suppose, not, uh, thou shalt not give up your yeah. termination rights uh, after uh, you start working. But yes, uh, uh, with that uh, addition, I'd agree with that one, John. Uh, yeah. And what you have to remember is that when uh, employees are, uh, when, whenever you're an employee and you're being given a new agreement to sign, if you've not asked for that agreement and your employer is simply giving it to you unprompted, you're you're pretty justified and 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 some suspicion is warranted right because you've got to ask yourself 
why is the company giving me this now? Uh, what what is it? What is the benefit to it, and what's the benefit to me of them giving me this employment agreement? Well, probably what they are doing is putting in new terms of your employment, new terms for termination, perhaps new terms for non-solicitation and non-competition. And what are they giving you in return? Maybe five hundred dollars, maybe a thousand dollars, maybe a nominal raise, maybe a new bonus program. And you have to ask yourself. Is that worth it? And in the majority of cases, it will not be. And so you need to speak with a lawyer before you consider signing it. And if you don't see anything in there that's of any interest to you, uh, then probably it's because it's all to the interest of the employer. So this is where you have to be really careful. And most of the time that I have an employee come to me where I can't help them is usually because they've done just this. They've been given an employment contract midway through employment, and that contract has completely eviscerated their rights, uh, and they did it without thinking. Um, uh, as many people do, understandably, you get you know you get an offer. You think, okay, well, my employer wants me to sign this. I'll sign it, but it'll be a big problem later on. You don't think about it. Next one in the Ten Commandments: Thou shalt respond to any negative reviews or discipline, always in writing, especially. Yeah, because if an employer is giving you a performance improvement plan or some kind of negative review. One of the things that, unfortunately, you have to take into consideration is they may be preparing to let you go. And not only that, but they may be preparing to let you go for a cause. They may be building a case to say, not only can we let you go, which, of course, an employer can always do, um, but we're going to let you go and we're not going to pay you any severance. Why? Because we put you on notice that your job is on jeopardy. We said that you would be subject to further corrective action if things didn't change. So you cannot take that sitting down without saying anything if the um, criticisms that uh, are being made of you are not fair. Now, if they are fair, if they happen to be legitimate criticisms and you think to yourself, well, you know what, I, I really do uh, need to... Um, step things, these things up, then there is still something you can do. You can acknowledge that, okay, this is a legitimate issue. I need to fix it. I'm serious about fixing it. Here are the things that I'm going to do to fix it. As you're doing these things, write to your boss in writing. Um, write to your boss in writing. There's a there's a phrase for you on, a, <laughs> on the Saturday morning. Uh, write to your boss <laughs> and uh, let them know exactly what you are doing to address the issue so you have a trail to show that you really were trying, right? Because the people who get in trouble are the people who just let these performance improvement plans uh, and negative reviews just build up and build up and build up. And all of a sudden, they get this termination letter, and it just looks like that employee didn't care, right? And maybe you did, but if you didn't put it in writing, it's just not going to look good for you, so don't let that happen. We are doing the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. Next one is this, thou shalt not commit serious workplace misconduct. Hello? Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Well, we can't help you if you're guilty, right? If you're guilty yeah, right. of something serious, you know, if you're involved in, in fraud or theft or dishonesty, uh, lying to your employer about important things, particularly when there's a financial impact on them or financial benefit to you, that is almost always going to be just cause if it's true. Now, I should mention, uh, more often than not, I see employers uh, make up these uh, kinds of allegations and they turn out to be complete hogwash. But if it's true, if you've actually done these things, then you're not going to be entitled to severance. So uh, if there's an investigation, if you're being asked a question, be honest about it. If you've made a mistake, you've got to admit it. You have to be forthright with your employer. It's not worth withholding these things. If you withhold these things, it will come back to bite you later. Next one, Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. Thou shalt uh, always, always keep copies of relevant documents. 
Right. So, number one, employment agreements, performance reviews, bonuses, email correspondence, handwritten notes from your boss. Uh, But you know what the biggest one of all, and I always bring this up, the biggest one of all uh, in this list is overtime. Um, Overtime is uh, one of those issues where um, if there was one issue that I, I more than anything else have to tell my clients, I wish you had written this down. I wish you'd taken co- made copies of this. I wish you had emailed your employer about this. It is the overtime issue because overtime uh, is something that can be very valuable. And if you can't particularize exactly when you worked, which weeks you worked, how long you worked, uh, and show that you have been sending this to the employer regularly, I'm not going to be able to help you with that, right? If you come to me and you say, I consistently work 60 hours per week, I'm not exempt from overtime, I should have been receiving it, but I've got no records of it, it's going to be very, very difficult uh, to get you any compensation for that. Next one is this, in the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment, uh, thou shalt keep records, um, kind of related to that, keeping records, and that is of important events. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by important events here is you typically harassment, right? So if you are being accused of harassment or are you are the victim of harassment, you want to take notes of what happened, send an email uh, perhaps to the person that's involved with, look, this is what happened. I really didn't appreciate this. Or, you know, I could tell you were really upset. Uh, here's, you know, here's just a, a recap of what happened. Um, I'm happy to work this through with you. Don't just sort of leave that hanging out there because then it's going to become you know, he said, he said, she said, she said, whatever the case may be. Um, And then you're putting yourself at risk because now you have to have your narrative accepted over someone else's. Whereas if you've put it in writing, that person's acknowledged it, then there's going to be less dispute, at least over what happened. It's going to make your life a lot easier down the road. Let's get to a a call before we take a short break. Jonathan, you're first up. How are you? Yes, um, I'm I'm an owner of uh, an independent retail store. Uh, I have an employee that's been with me for two years. Uh, she, uh, through a text message, informed me that she's going through some uh, panic issues, panic attacks, and uh, has uh, indicated that she'll take. The, she feels that the the rest of the, she'll take a week off. Um, my response to her was, of course, you know, we hope you feel better, and and you know, hopefully we'll see you next week. Now it's coming to that end of the time. Uh, do I have the, the, the right to ask her, you know, what's the status or, because we need to move on. We need, we need to know if she's coming back and if she's not, then what am Jonathan, I allowed yeah, to ask her? Yes, you, 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 absolutely do. Um, and, uh, what we often say on this show is that there's, um, uh, yes, there's a duty to accommodate, but employees have a duty to, and that's called the duty to cooperate. Okay. So if you are out, you know, ext- outreaching to your employee and saying, hey, we want to accommodate you, we want to help you, we want you to feel better, um, and you're not getting anything from them, uh, then that's a problem. And eventually, um, that employee could be deemed to have abandoned their employment. Now, certainly not after a week, not after two weeks, but if you are constantly emailing them, trying to get them to respond to you, and you're just not hearing anything, uh, then mm-hmm. eventually your obligations to those employees will will you know, will expire. Uh, so 
I would absolutely keep up with them. I wouldn't, you know, be texting or emailing her every day, but you know, every week or two, I'd say, "Hey, can we get an update?" Uh, certainly, um, you can ask for a note from uh, her doctor. You know, what's your prognosis here? When when are you next uh, due for an assessment? Uh, you can always send what's called a you know a functional abilities form or a cognitive evaluation form. These are perfectly legitimate things to do as an employer, and that employee has a duty to give you some of that information. Not the diagnosis, not necessarily what they're going through, but are they going to need accommodation? When are they expect to be back? When are they next going to be assessed? These kinds of things you're entitled to know. So as a small independent, we're not a large corporation. We really rely on her role. She's the only employee, in fact. But, you know, you said give it a, not certainly a week. We've given her the week, but we, we as a small business, we need to move forward. So what is the time, acceptable time period? You said a week, two weeks. I mean, that would be a lot for us to absorb. Well, what I think you, uh, I mean, this is, this is the tricky thing. I mean, if, if it's looking like it's going to be more than a week or two, I mean, the first thing that you would do is you would hire a replacement on a temporary basis and you'd basically indicate to that person, I would say, you know, verbally, because it's it's going to be hard to nail it down exactly uh, in writing what this is going to be. But I would let this person know, look, we're not sure exactly how, how long this position is going to last. We have someone who's off. We don't know yet whether they're coming back. We're still waiting to hear back from them. So you have, you know, a notionally temporary replacement, because as you said, you've got to move on. Businesses, you know, the business has got to, got to keep going. Yeah. Um, and so you have that temporary replacement in, and then you would just check in with this employee periodically. Now, if she's ready to come back to work, you determine, okay, what kind of accommodations you need, and you may decide, okay, now we're going to let go of the temporary person. If they've been there a very short period of time, there's not going to be much obligations to them in terms of severance, especially if you have them sign an employment agreement. Quite frankly, even if you don't, if it's only a few weeks, the severance entitlement's not going to be uh, very much. Um, and then um, you would reinstate this uh, former employee of yours back in. If after hiring uh, the new employee, um, this person doesn't come back, then that just becomes your permanent new employee. Jonathan, appreciate the call. You want to have a further conversation? You probably do. No problem. As we uh, we got to go to a break. Here's how you do that. one 821 5,900, but here and now we'll go back to more of your calls. Standing by, uh, Jillian, Gary, Pedro, we see you there. Stand by, we'll get to all of your calls. You want to send an email, help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. It's the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You bet. We're back at it. John Pickus answering all of your questions right back to the phones as promised. Uh, Jillian, thank you for standing by. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent. What's uh, what's on your mind? So I actually have an appointment um, for a consultation with your firm on Monday. Um, but basically, I work for a large internationally recognized kind of hospitality retailer, let's say. Um, it's a large corporation, and I've worked there for almost 14 years in um, a part-time supervisory role and then often full-time, depending on seasonality. Um, on March 1st, I had a meeting, and it was announced that my location was closing um, on April 23rd due to a leasing issue, uh, like a rent hike kind of thing from COVID-19. Um, and I assumed at this point that I would transfer to, there was one more location in my town. But um, on April 8th, so a month and a bit after we had this initial meeting, they announced that they were 
selling this location to a licensee, essentially. So it would be operated by a third-party corporation, which means my nearest location to transfer to would be 54 kilometers away, an unpaid commute. Um, So I was basically forced to take a severance package. um, And so my last day of work was on April 24th. Now, interestingly enough, although I've worked for this company for almost 14 years, they've developed a uh, severance, um, I I guess, package, like kind of cookie cutter policy um, in October. And now it's, you know, for every year works, you get specific X amount of weeks of severance. And they basically have to adhere to this policy. I'm wondering what my, my rights are in terms of, you know, trying to get a better severance package as I've been there for so long. Okay. So I gather you, you haven't signed anything yet, right? You, you've got, you've received Correct. the severance package. Okay. So, yeah. uh, okay. And, um, you've, uh, you've been there for 14 years. You're sort of, you said he's kind of a quasi part-time, quasi full-time supervisor. That's um, it. and, uh, how old are you now, Jillian? I'm almost 35. I'll be 35 at the end of June. Okay. Um, well, in the circumstances, so you, you're a supervisor, you've been there for 14 years, you're 35 years old. I mean, I would say that uh, someone in your circumstances is probably going to be entitled to anywhere from kind of 12 to 15 months, uh, anywhere in that range. So how much have mm-hmm. they have they offered you? So basically eight weeks of statutory severance, which I believe is kind of the government expectation and then one week for every year worked additionally and they have bumped it up to it was just shy of my 14 year anniversary so they have bumped it up to the 14th week for that so 22 weeks in total okay well that that sounds like the statutory minimum right if they're a large company they've got a payroll of over two and a half million dollars so we're just talking about statutory termination pay and statutory um severance pay so uh 22 weeks um, is quite a bit less than what I would say is a fairly conservative assessment of your entitlements, which is up to a year of your pay. Um, okay. uh, and, and it could be, in fact, uh, you know, depending on the nature of your role and compensation, which we won't get into right now, and you can certainly get mm-hmm. into with the uh, lawyer you're, you're speaking with on Monday. Uh, but this sounds like a the statutory minimum. Um, have they mentioned any employment contract that they're relying on? So I was hired in a pretty entry-level position in 2007, um, and basically anything that you would sign at that point is an agreement to the employment handbook, you know, time and attendance and dress code, yeah. and so on and so forth. And um, But anything that I would have signed is actually missing from my partner file, um, just because, you know, at that point they didn't file things electronically. It was a little bit smaller, and I guess they never anticipated having to to do layoffs like this, um, right? You know, so, well, so I, uh, they don't have a contract that I've signed, basically. Right. Well, Jillian, based on what you've described today, it it really sounds like we're going to be able to help. I'm really glad you're speaking with someone on Monday, uh, mm-hmm. because this this appears to be just the statutory minimum, uh, and uh, that means you're going to be uh, potentially owed quite a bit more than this. So I'm I'm glad you're uh, uh, speaking with us, and I'm sure whatever lawyer uh, that you have an appointment with will be able to discuss this in more detail about how we can help you. Jillian, appreciate the call and your time. Got a few more to get through here, and uh, yeah, we still got a couple minutes before we break, so we'll get to uh, to Pedro. Hey, Pedro, you're up next. How are you? Good. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind? 
All right. So I have a small uh, machine shop in Mississauga, and uh, I had an employee who got sick with COVID. And unfortunately, he was off for a few weeks, and um, he refused to come back and wear a mask. And I told him at the time, before he came back, I said, uh, well, when you come back to work, I'm going to need you to wear a mask inside the shop. The other guys aren't comfortable. And uh, so he refused, and I told him that then you're forfeiting your employment. Now, did I lay him off, or did he quit? That's my question. That's yeah. That's that's a good question. And and Pedro, you're uh, you're actually not the only employer who's uh, come to me with this issue. A lot of um, a lot of my employer clients are are being confronted with this, uh, with employees who are simply refusing uh, to comply with COVID protocols. Now, here's one question I have for you, Pedro. Did um, did this person indicate that they had a medical reason for not being able to wear the mask? No, they actually, I I gave him the opportunity to go to a doctor and supply me with a doctor's note, and he said he could not do that because he did not have a medical condition. Okay. Well, uh, they're refusing a, uh, you know, a, a pretty reasonable um, direction for safety. Um, I think that uh, certainly the actions you've taken here are pretty sympathetic. Is this person demanding severance or anything like that, or are you just sort of concerned about future demands? Well, that's what's happening now. He messaged me that he's looking to collect EI, unemployment insurance, and Service Canada called me on Friday looking for his ROE, which I hadn't completed yet because I I looked at it like technically he, he resigned. So I didn't realize if I had to fill out an ROE for him or not, and I didn't think he would qualify since he resigned. I did have him sign a letter of resignation as well before uh, I gave him his final paycheck and vacation pay. Right. Well, you always have to fill out a record of employment whenever someone leaves, no matter what. If it's for a leave of absence, if they've quit, if they were fired, cause, without cause, doesn't matter. Always got to do a record of employment. has to be done within 15 days. So um, you should fill out a record of employment. Um, Given what you've described, I think it's appropriate to say that uh, right on the record of employment that this person quit. Uh, But that's, uh, that's where I would go from there. Pedro, appreciate it. Again, uh, for you as well, you want to reach out and get more information from John. He can uh, can help you for sure. one 821 5900 Got a few minutes to go here. We'll continue and get to, uh, to Gary after a short break. Thank you for standing by, Gary. Your phone call is up next. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And reaching out by email is also an option, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Back to our uh, Ten Commandments of Termination. Uh, Another one is this, uh, Mr. Pickus, thou shalt not get advice from your neighbor Steve or your pal Google or anything else like that and of that nature, right? Right. Everyone's got lots of friends who love to tell them that... uh, that they're their doctor, their lawyer, their accountant, their real estate agent. You know, you got these jacks of all trades around you, and they're good guys, and they're and 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 uh, they're, you know they're often they're trying to help you, uh, but they probably can't help you unless that's their expertise, right? Unless your neighbor Steve is an employment lawyer, don't take employment law advice from Steve, um, because some mistakes that you make uh, are permanent. 
you may uh, quit your job uh, to, cl- to claim constructive dismissal uh, prematurely. You may uh, accept a change that you shouldn't have accepted. You may take an action at work that turns out to be completely uh, inconsistent with the terms of your employment and gives the employment uh, the employer an argument uh, that they can terminate you without severance. So go to a lawyer, and don't just go to any lawyer. Go to a lawyer who practices employment law, right? And, you know, this is the issue. I say, you know, if you have a heart problem, you typically you don't go to your dentist. Um, you go to, if you have an employment problem, you go to someone who deals with these issues Every day, it's a very nuanced area of the law, so speak with an employment lawyer and make sure you're getting the right advice. And reaching out to John and the rest of the firm, of course, one 821 5900 You can use the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. Moving on, uh, next one, thou shall assume that your severance offer is inadequate. That's a fairly safe, uh, a fairly safe assumption. Right. You know, because most of the time it's just a quick call to us. Let's at least go over it. And hey, maybe you'll be one of those one out of 10 people that I speak with that are actually being given an adequate severance package. It happens, but at least then you'll know if you speak with us. So let's talk about it because sometimes a severance package, sometimes it'll be obvious that it's inadequate on its face. You'll give us a call and it'll just be a matter of, okay, what can we do to get you something better? Sometimes the devil's in the details, uh, and you won't really know until you speak with us. So um, don't make any assumptions about whether it's a good package or a bad package. Give us a call. Let's talk about it. And kind of the part two to that one is thou shall not sign, right? Right. Don't sign until you have spoken with us. If you've spoken with us and the severance package is good or we've negotiated something for you and the severance package is now adequate, then that's the time to sign. But if you sign a release without getting advice uh, and without determining whether the severance package being offered to you is adequate, that is a permanent mistake. You cannot take that back. If you sign a release, you are done. Uh, Just like waiting too long. If you wait beyond the two-year limitation period to do anything, that's it. You're done. Those are mistakes you can't take back. This is why you need to speak with someone and speak with someone sooner rather than later. Trying to get Gary back. Hi, Gary. How are you? How are you? Good, buddy. What's, uh, what's, What's on your mind? Hey, listen, I'm out in Mississauga. I work for a bread company. I only work four days a week. Um, I worked the Easter Friday, and I never got paid for it. And my boss says, well, you only work four days a week. Suck it up, man. Well, Gary, this is a pretty straightforward issue. I mean, this is an employment standards issue. So what I would recommend is telling your boss, look, if you're not going to pay me, I'm going to have to make a complaint to the Ministry of Labor. And by the way, it is illegal to reprise against someone for bringing a claim at the Ministry of Labor. So you you should feel protected in that sense and say, look, if I'm not paid this, I'm going to make an unpaid wages claim. And that's what the Ministry of Labor is for. We always say don't go to the Ministry of Labor for severance, but when it comes to an unpaid wages issue, that is the time that you would go to the Ministry of Labor because unpaid wages uh, and public holiday pay and that kind of thing can be dealt with at the ministry and should be dealt with at the ministry. Can you be fired for that if uh, you go there and you make a complaint? Well, you can't physically prevent your employer for, for firing you. So if they fire you, they fire you. But if they do that, they're going to be guilty for a uh, – certainly they're going to be guilty for reprisal damages, uh, which is an issue that I've, I've uh, handled. So, look – I can't promise you you're not going to lose your job if you do this. Your employer can do it, and if they do it, it's done, and you may not be able to get your job back. Um, but they're going to be responsible for reprisal damages at the Ministry of Labor. So hopefully your employer uh, is listening and or will listen to you and will, will not do something um, silly like that. 
Appreciate the call, Gary. Uh, best of luck moving forward. Let us know what uh, what happens for sure. And we'll get to one more of our Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. Number 10 is this. Thou shall use the severance calculator at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca or simply call you, uh, ST Law, San Firu Tamarkin, to uh, carry on with any questions, right? Yeah, like I said, you know, there is no harm in asking the question. Nope. Go on the severance pay calculator. Give us a call. Let's get into the details. Let's talk about it. Usually, it's uh, we can determine in about 10 to 15 minutes whether that severance package is adequate and talk to you about what we can do, right? You have 10, 15 minutes. You might as well do it um, and find out if, if uh, what you've been given is adequate because, again, once you sign the release, it's done. That's all. We'll get to Sam in our last minute here. says, uh, do I still get severance if I only worked for four years? Again, this this comes back to something we didn't we didn't I, I think talk too much about this today. But remember, there's a big difference between employment standards and common law. So a lot of people think, well, I went online and it says I don't get severance until I've reached a five year mark. I don't get severance if my employer has less than a two and a half million dollar payroll. That is for minimum entitlements only. So the answer to your question, short answer, Sam, yes, you do get your severance. You still have your right to full common law severance unless there's something you've signed that interferes with that. So for most people, you're going to be entitled to your full uh, severance, and that can be uh, a heck of a lot more than uh, the four weeks your employer is probably offering you. Done for another week. Nicely done. Thank you, John Pickett, for uh, for stepping up again on this particular show. You want to reach out now that we're done? Simple. one 821 5900 The phone number, help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address, just employmentlawyer.ca. We'll give you links to our TV show. And uh, we always tell you to go there even before the phone call, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show. Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.